real quick, we forgot to mention last week, Clayton is not here with us. I'm not Clayton. Uh, he has actually gone to Disney this week. So we made a deal. When he comes back from Disney, he has to preach the rest of the Anxious for Nothing series with the Mickey Mouse series. So if he doesn't, make sure you hold that to him. <laughs> but we are going to go ahead and introduce Michael Ellis. He's going to come up and he's going to bring us an awesome word this morning. And I'm very excited. So let's make Michael feel welcome. Well, good morning. Am I on? I think I'm on. Yeah. Good. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm also not Clayton. I've got entirely too much hair for that. Um, but uh, I'm redheaded, I guess. That's halfway there. But uh, that's half the battle, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so Clayton's out of town. He's at Disney World, um, which, if you've not been, is the happiest place on earth. Um, I know it's marketing and it's expensive, but I don't care. It's the happiest place on earth. Um, and I'm very jealous of him, and I don't think it's ironic that he asked me to give the sermon on giving while he's gone, okay? No pastor likes to talk about giving, and I don't think it's a coincidence that while he takes probably the most expensive vacation of his life, he wants me to encourage you to give. Okay, so, um, but I've got news for him because... While I'm happy to speak this morning, I am also the church bookkeeper. <laughs> so if I see charges in Florida, I know what happened. Anyway, um, but yeah, so I'll be talking about giving today um, in different ways that we give to the Lord. And when most people think about giving, they think about money. And yes, we're going to talk about money today, but there's so much more that you can give to the building of God's kingdom. Um, and I want to go over some of those things um, with you all today. Um, God has been so good to us, and there's so much that he gives us, and all he asks back is a portion of what the, he has given us, and I am just so excited to talk about it. This is an area that's very near and dear to my heart, um, and it's an area I love to speak on. Um, I know a lot of people shy away from this subject. It can get kind of touchy, but I hope the way that I deliver it today is a way that you all can appreciate um, and just gives you something to think on um, later. So we're going to talk about three ways that you give, um, that you can give back to the Lord, okay? And um, I promise I won't start with money. We'll get there eventually. All right. So the first way that we're going to talk about is our time, okay? We give our time, okay? The Lord has given us all this time, okay? Given us our lives, right? He's given us all this time that we can use to do a multitude of different things, okay? And I'm going to go through a real quick scenario with you all that somebody did with me in college, and it really uh, helped me reevaluate the way that I'm spending my time, okay? You have 168 hours in a week, okay? We all do. We have 168 hours in a week that we can do something with, all right? Um, so, but it goes quick, right? Because we have to sleep eight hours a night because we're all getting our recommended eight hours, right? Nah, me either. Okay, so if you all get your eight hours of recommended sleep every night, okay, that's 56 hours immediately gone from your schedule, all right? Well, somebody's got to work around here, all right? So we got to have a job. Um, so the average job is 40 hours a week, yeah? So that's 40 more hours out the door, okay? Um, you got to eat. You got to eat, right? Okay, so let's assume that it takes you an hour to cook and uh, prep a meal. I still live with my parents. They do a lot of my cooking, but they're really good at it, so I'm not ashamed. Um, but anyway, so it's, uh, they do a lot of the cooking for me. They're great. Um, and uh, they haven't kicked me out yet, so that's great. 
Um, but you're talking, if you eat two meals a day, you should be eating more than that. Um, but if you, if you average two meals a day, there's 14 hours from your week gone, okay? So you're, you're left, by the time you go to church, okay, a couple times a week and do all these things, you're left with about 50 hours in the week, okay? Does anybody in this room feel like you have 50 free hours just floating around in your week? I see zero hands, all right? I don't either, okay? Because you can't, because you've got family, and you've got your kids, and you've got your parents, and you've got, you know, all your kids, like, sporting events and extracurriculars, and it goes so fast. It is no wonder we have such a hard time finding time for Jesus. There is so much happening around us. The world is so busy, and especially in our culture in America, we have created this American dream culture of busyness all the time, Right? It goes so fast. It goes so fast. It's so hard to spend time with the Lord. When I sat down to write this sermon, I picked my Bible up. There was dust on it. So I'm guilty of this, just like everybody else, right? It is so easy for us to let life get in the way of what we're doing. And the ironic thing is, sometimes we're letting the life that God has given us get in the way spending time with him. The life that God has given us gets in the way of spending time with him. How ironic is that, you know? He, he's given it to us, and we let it get in our way. It's so easy to do, all right? But it's not all a bad thing. So the old saying goes that if you spend enough time with a person or a group of people, you kind of start looking like them, acting like them, you know? Um, they say married couples act alike after a while, or groups of friends, or, or that sort of thing. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of truth to that. You know, you, you are who you spend time with, and there is a lot of truth to that. When you, when you involve yourself in a group of people, um, whether it be coworkers or friends or your family or whoever, you take on characteristics of their personality over time, right? Well, the same goes for you and Jesus, right? He's no different. Um, God the Father is, was also God the man when he was here on earth, and that hasn't changed and so the more time that you spend with him, the more you become like him, right? And so that is um, one of the beautiful things about spending time with God is if we want to become more like him, then we can just spend time with him, you know? Um, and, and then it becomes like every other relationship in our life. We, be, we, we start to take on characteristics of his personality. And so how do we spend time with him? Right? That's always the big question is, okay, I've made this time, I've carved out this time to spend time with Jesus, now what? You know, um, I had a friend in college tell me one time a great saying, he said, I love Jesus so much, but Jesus can't come play cards with me. And that really hit home for me because I, I have um, really high people needs. All right? Anybody else here have really high people needs? All right? I hate being alone any time of the day. I like to be around people constantly. And so I, have, I understand that because Jesus is here, but not here. Does that make sense? I love Jesus, but he can't, I can't, come, can't come play cards with me. Um, but there are ways that we can spend time with him and still get to know him. And uh, two of those ways that we most commonly talk about in the church setting is praying and reading the Bible. Okay? Those are the two most common ways that we spend time with the Lord. And in their most basic form, prayer, it's how we talk to God. Okay? And the Bible is how he talks back. All right? That's how we keep the conversation flowing, generally speaking, between us and the Lord. Okay? We pray to him, and he talks back to us through his word. All right? um, and when we think about things like praying and read the Bible, it can be very intimidating. Right? Um, 
Even though we love the Lord and we want to know him in a greater way, it can be so intimidating to talk to somebody who seems so powerful and sometimes so far away. But we're going to talk about ways to make that really easy. Um, So first we'll talk about prayer and why we pray. All right. And we pray because God wants to hear from you. Right? I mean, that's in, in its most basic form, prayer, like, God just wants you to talk to him. He just wants you to talk to him about your day. Talk to him about your day. Talk to him about what's good, what's bad. Are you happy, sad, angry? What are you? God wants to hear about that. Maybe you're even angry with the Lord about something. That's okay. He wants to hear about that. There are, all throughout Scripture, we see examples of people who are talking to the Lord in different stages of their life, in different emotions, and he is thrilled to hear about it. He just wants to hear from you. Um, I, and sometimes I think we make that so complicated in our brains that we have to come and pray a certain way or, or, or do a certain step-by-step thing or, or say the right words. But no, God's not about that. He just wants to hear from you. Um, and sometimes, you know, life gets so heavy that you don't exactly even know what to pray for. Sometimes the, the world just feels like it's caving in on top of you and you just don't know what to say to the Lord. That's okay, because God has a plan for that too. Um, listen to uh, what Paul wrote to uh, the church in Romans. He said, In certain ways we are weak, but the Spirit is here to help us. For example, when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. Don't you love that? When we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit prays for us in ways that cannot be put into words. Um, and I love, um, I found that version online, and I really love it. Um, I never heard of the CEV version, but I like the way this, it words this verse, because sometimes we just cannot put into words what we want to say to God, right? Um, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. We're too angry or too sad or too, ugh, life just, you know, comes at us sometimes. But that's okay, because God has a plan for that. Sometimes all you have to do is just sit in the presence of the Lord, and he will take care of the rest, Try it sometime. It's really good. And you're not the only one who has experienced these highs and lows with the Lord. Um, If you are familiar with King David, David wrote 73 of the Psalms, okay, in the Old Testament. And if you have ever wanted to take an emotional roller coaster ride, read through the Psalms. Okay. Um, David is so emotional when it comes to his relationship with the Lord, okay? He was happy, he was sad, he was angry with the Lord. If you can think of any possible emotion that you've ever had in your life, and some of you may have never even experienced, David felt it, okay? And not only did he feel it, but he wrote about it, okay? Read through some of the Psalms and experience some of the emotions that he was having in his walk with the Lord. And I bet you relate to one or multiple of them, because I know I do. So you don't have to feel afraid um, when you don't feel like praying or you don't know what to say or you think you're too crazy or too emotional, God can handle that. He just wants to hear from you. You know, just like a friend or your parent or anybody that you would talk to about your day, your spouse, God wants to hear from you. And if you aren't praying regularly, I'll offer you this challenge. Spend the next week praying at least once a day, just once, okay? It can be five minutes, it can be half an hour, it can be however long you need it to be just to talk to God, okay? And see what happens to your world. I promise you, you're going to notice a difference. I promise. It's incredible. So the second way that we can spend time with the Lord is through his word. Okay? That's how he generally talks back to us. You know, we read the word of God that he's given us to make it through this crazy life. 
And, you know, we're so thankful for that. And that's him speaking to us, you know, and that's very, very exciting. And so um, the Bible is good for all kinds of things. Um, in 2 Timothy, we read this verse. It says, all scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for, listen to this, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, so right there is a laundry list of things that the Bible is good for when you open it up and decide to read it. Okay, it's good for teaching us. Okay, it tells us when we're wrong, it shows us how to make it right, um, and it leads us to be more like Jesus. And when you read the Bible, you're introduced to thousands of people, thousands of people from different walks of life, different characters, different people who all had different experiences from different backgrounds. And I guarantee you can find somebody you can relate to. And they experience all these different challenges in their life, spiritual, mental, physical, all these challenges that the Lord intervenes in. And it's just fascinating to go and read through Scripture and meet all these people and see how God is working in their life. And if you can read that, then you will know that God is working in your life as well. And you can hear Him speaking to you. It's wonderful to hear the voice of the Lord through His Word. And that you can take anywhere. And we have the freedom to do that in this country. And it's wonderful. Without any fear of any kind of backlash, we can take a Bible anywhere and read it and listen to God speak. You know, Clayton talked about last week how um, sometimes God is loud and he's obvious and you know exactly where he is. And sometimes he's quiet. And it's in those moments that he's just so sweet and still. And reading his word is a way that you can do that. Uh, if you don't have a Bible reading routine, then here's how I encourage you to get started. Okay, So if, if there's a new Christian or somebody who doesn't have a regular, regular reading time in their Bible, I always send them to the Gospels. Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. The Gospels were written by people who had first-hand experience with Jesus. Okay, um, And it's written very detailed, and they all four have different personalities, the writers did, and so you get a different look um, of Jesus and his personality and who he is by reading each one. Um, and personally, my favorite is John to read through because that tends to be what I think is the most intimate version of the Gospels, the most emotional version. And I'm an emotional dude. All right. You can probably see my heart here if you look close enough. It's right here on my sleeve. And I relate to John that way because he was very emotional in his description of the life of Jesus. And just read a chapter a day. A chapter takes five minutes or less. Just read a chapter a day. Before you go to bed is when I like to read um, because it helps chill me out before I go to sleep. Some people like to read in the mornings, you know, because it gets them ready for the day. Maybe on a lunch break at work. God doesn't care. Just find time to spend with him and read a chapter a day. It's so short and it won't take you long at all unless you like, like Psalms 119, which is like really long. It may take you a few days. Okay, don't start there. That would get you exhausted. Um, but start in the Gospels. Start in just one chapter a day and see if God doesn't move in your life because I promise, I promise he will. And the biggest point I want to make about spending time with the Lord is this, okay? And I want you to hear me on this. God does not determine your holiness by how much time you're spending with him. But spending time with him will make you more holy. All right, did you catch that? God is not judging you. He's not taking notes. All right, this person spent five minutes with me today and this person spent 30 minutes, so they're more holy. That's not how it works, okay? That's not who God is. It's not his personality. But spending time with him 
will make you more holy. It will make you more like Jesus in ways that you never imagined by just reading and listening to what he has to say. Don't let the simple, sweet moments from the Lord pass you by because they come quick and life happens quick. Carve out time, give a portion of your time back to him. Y'all with me? All right, I see some heads, no voices. That's all right. Listen, I was at a concert last night at the Yum Center in Louisville. All right, I'm as tired as you all, I promise. I'm not near as tired as the people in the back who went to the UK game last night because they got home later than I did. All right, I was at a concert on a Friday in West Virginia, and all I learned from this weekend is that I may be a young man, but I am not as good as I once was. All right, I am not as good as I once was. I am exhausted. So um, just let me know that I'm, I'm with you, and we're going to get through this together. All right, second way. Second way we give back to God is our talent, okay? God made you with something, all right? I don't know how many people I've heard tell me that they don't have any talent in the world, and that is a lie. That is a lie from the enemy, okay? God made you to do something on this earth. And no matter what it is, no matter how obscure or how common, no matter what you think your talent is, God can use that for the building of his kingdom, okay? Um, in the years after Jesus returned to heaven, um, the persecution against the Christians intensified, okay? The Romans felt like they got rid of Jesus, and now we have to get rid of the rest of them before this Christianity thing gets out of hand, okay? They were persecuted. They were scattered everywhere. And the Christians that survived being beaten and jailed and scattered all throughout Asia, um, Paul wrote to them. And he wrote to them about the ways that they can give back to God. And one of his challenges is found in 1 Peter. He says this, Each of you should use whatever gift that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in many forms, okay? The Christians were being beaten and killed and beheaded and tortured and, you know, um, I'm sorry, Peter said to them, I just find what you're good at and do it. You know, that seems like a very lighthearted advice to give in, in, in the um, uh, fear of dying. Um, but he said, just find what you're good at and do it. Um, and, the, and we find these examples all throughout Scripture. So David's saying, like we talked about earlier in the Psalms, um, a lot of those were poems and some of them were hymns. Um, and so he sang and he played the harp, okay? Those were his talents and he gave them back to the Lord. Um, Simon was good at fishing. So Jesus said, all right, you're going to come with me and you're going to fish men, all right? You're going to catch men instead of fish and teach them how to fall in love with me and follow me, all right? It's great. He used his talent. Matthew was a skilled mathematician, Okay? Uh, he was a record keeper, and so Jesus called him to keep good records of his ministry, right? It was what he was good at, and he was a tax, pay, uh, collect, or a tax uh, collector who was hated, um, but he was good at it, and so Jesus said, okay, come with me instead. So he did, and he kept good records, and he used what, what he was good at to serve Jesus. And we see that every day in our church as well. Every week when you come to the walls, inside the walls of this church, okay, um, people are good at certain things and they're using their talent to serve the Lord. Um, people are, some people are great with kids, okay? So they're in this service this morning and they're going to take care of your kids in the second service. That's wonderful, okay? That's such an important job. Um, there's people that are unspoken heroes in the back who make sure that my mic is on, the lights are working, and that all this stuff is going on and they are you know, un unsung heroes who are using what they are good at every week to serve the Lord, okay? Um, you have people singing. Weren't the singers great this morning? Yeah, they were great. They were awesome. Yes, absolutely. They were awesome. And 
They're using their gift that God has given them to serve the Lord, all right? Even this fog machine that's probably giving us all COPD um, <laughs> is, is the result of somebody using what God has given them and, and the gift that God has given them and to, to make all this happen and use it for the building of his kingdom. It's such a special thing, and you are no different, all right? Um, and take myself, for example. So I love public speaking, okay? I, I, some people hate it. I love being up here and just talking to crowds about anything. If I, I, I would talk to a post if it would listen. Um, and I just, I just love to talk in front of people and to, and to engage. And because of that, people have assumed over the years that um, I, I should just be a preacher, you know, because I love public speaking. And I'm honored um, that that suggestion has been made so many times to me, um, that people would believe in me, but that's not what I'm called to do, okay? Instead, I'm an accountant. <laughs> and you laugh because on the surface, that does not sound like a very holy job, right? That doesn't sound like kingdom building work, to be an accountant, okay? Um, but listen to this. So because I'm an accountant, I am good at bookkeeping. So I keep all the financial records of the church, which I'm a little far behind on, by the way. I'm going to catch up on that soon. Um, but I keep all the financial records up to date on the church so that when people want to know how, where our money is going, I can tell them. Or when people need to know how much they gave to the church at the end of the year, I can tell them. And it also means because I'm an accountant, I work in an office full of accountants. Some know Jesus, some don't. And full of other administrative staff, some know Jesus, some don't. Okay, So I have a ministry field in front of me that being an accountant has made me and prepared me for. Right? So how are you any different than that? You're not. Jesus puts you exactly where you are on purpose so that you can do the same thing and share the love of God wherever you are. Pastors are great, and God um, calls people to be a pastor. But if everyone was a pastor, how would the people in your workplace hear about Jesus? Right? So God made pastors, but he also made doctors, lawyers, teachers, nurses, accountants, um, business owners, the list goes on. God made all these people and all these professions to be in all these places because he needs you exactly where you are to show people that he loves them. And that's exactly where you need to be. Um, and I heard the saying once, and this is not a Michael Ellis original, but you get, you get it for free. God made you on purpose for a purpose. Okay? You are not a mistake. All right? Hear me on that. God made you on purpose for a purpose. He planned you to be you specifically so that you can help build the kingdom of God. That is an incredible honor. Just to be alive and in this room is an incredible honor because God sees so much potential in you that he said, I want them to do my work. That is special. That is so incredible. And, and it's, just, it's just humbling to think that God thinks so much of you that he did that so that you can serve him in a greater way wherever you are right? That's so exciting. God made you on purpose for a purpose. And if you use what you are good at to bring glory to God, your life will change. I promise. Okay? That's a fact. All right? That's not uh, Michael telling you that. The Bible is full of it. All right? And if you're reading your chapter a day, you're going to learn and see about all kinds of different people that use their talents and their lives were radically changed because they were using it for God. Use your talents. All right. Here's the last way. All right. Moving fast today. Not as windy as Clayton. 
All right. Um, we give our tithe. All right. Here it is. Here's the money talk. It's where everybody tunes out. Okay, but I promise, li- listen to me through this. We're going to go through it biblically. I want you to hear it because it's so special. All right. So um, one of the, the last way I'm going to hit on today anyway is, is through our, our tithe. Um, and nobody likes to talk about money. I know that. Listen, uh, I'm an accountant. You know, um, what is that? Uh, accountant squeak or something when they walk. I don't know what they say about us because we're, so, we're tight with our money. I don't know what they say. There's all kinds of sayings about accountants. Um, lo- love it or hate it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's so important to, to give back a portion of everything that God has given us. And we're going to go through this together. Um, so in the most basic form, a tithe means a tenth. Okay? Tithe is tenth. Okay? And in the Old Testament, where we first see this mentioned, um, people were called to give a tithe or a tenth of whatever they had to the building of God's kingdom in the temple. Okay? And for some people, that did mean money. But, you know, in the Old Testament, a lot of people never laid eyes on a, on a dollar you know, they traded crops or they traded livestock or whatever goods or services that they could provide to make sure that they could give it to the temple and that God's kingdom would continue to build, okay? Very important. So it was a way for people to keep the temple going, you know, because, I mean, just like here, like, well, I mean, okay, they didn't have lights, but uh, we have lights and we have things and we, ha- you know, we pay our pastor and we have bills to pay here. And the temple was the same way. They wanted to give back to the poor and they wanted to keep it moving and operating. And that was a way to do it, was for everybody to bring a tenth of what they had. And it made this big pot and so that nobody went hungry and nobody went without money and nobody went without anything because God's people were able to give back to their community. All right, He wants the same from us. But before I get into that, let's talk about testing the Lord. All right? And what do we know about testing the Lord? Anybody? Crab participation. Anybody? Should you test the Lord? No. All right. I heard some em- uh, uh, emphasis on no there. Good. No, you should not. All right. Here's some examples. When Moses was leading the Israelites in the desert, they were complaining a lot. And if I walked around the desert for 40 years, I'm going to complain. All right. Look at me. Can I handle being in the sun? <laughs> All right? No, I cannot. Uh, I sunburn. I'm a little tender. All right? So we can't, uh, we can't, I'd be complaining too. All right? So they quarreled with Moses. And listen to what it says in this verse. They said, give us water to drink. And Moses said, why are you quarreling with me? Why do you put the Lord God to the test? That's in the Old Testament. One of the earliest readings of testing the Lord that we find. He's like, why are you doing this? Trust the Lord. Why are you testing him? And in Deuteronomy, we find this example. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, all right? That's just plain and simple. Don't do it, all right? In the book of Isaiah, it says this, I will not test the Lord like that, said the author. Not going to do it, all right? Because he knew better. Don't test the Lord. All right, here's one of my favorites from the New Testament. We will not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. Well, that's a little dramatic. All right? They tested the Lord, and so the Lord sent snakes and ate them all up. All right? So, I mean, you imagine, like, like, it's one thing to get bit by a snake. I mean, but to be eaten by a snake, that's, whew, all right. That's stuff of nightmares. Um, it's, it's very dramatic. So, obviously, God takes testing him very seriously. Do not test the Lord. Put your faith in him. Do you see a pattern in these verses? Don't test the Lord. This pattern breaks 
one place in Scripture and one place only in all of Scripture, okay? And it's in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Okay, Malachi was a prophet, and he was sent by God in Jerusalem. And the Jews had shown contempt for God, okay? They had led people into sin. Um, they'd broken God's laws. They were, had become very arrogant. And among all those issues, they were also withholding their tithe, okay? They weren't giving to the temple or giving anything back to the building of God's kingdom, okay? Listen to the message that Malachi sends to the pe people of Jerusalem. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, all right? Test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Wow. Think about that. The Lord Almighty spends pretty much all of the Bible telling you to have some faith in him, don't test him, or shit's going to get you. <laughs> all right? So don't, don't, don't put him to the test. And here he says, test me in this. Test me and see if I do not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Think about that. And, and so much blessing is going to come down on you and your family and your loved ones that you just can't stand it anymore, that you can't handle it. It's beautiful. And I, I just think that's so beautiful. It takes me back every time I read it because it's the only place that God says, come at me. Come on, try me. And see, and see if I don't prove, prove you wrong, that I will bless you. It's wonderful. And if, if, if this scares you, you, it doesn't have to, right? Because we already know the ending, right? He's going to do it. He said he's going to do it. Has God ever let you down before? No, correct. All right? Sometimes it may feel like it, but he always comes through and pours out those blessings. Um, I'm going to go ahead and invite the band back up as I go through this last story um, from the Old Testament that I think is... <coughs> Really, really impactful. Um, because I already know what you're thinking. Say, Michael, I am barely scraping by as it is. All right? I am barely paying my bills. You don't know my finances. I'm just barely making it. Okay? All right. Start with 5%, not 10. See where that takes you. Can't afford 5%? Start with whatever's in your pocket, whatever change you clean out of your car. All right? Start with something. Just make sure it makes you uncomfortable. Right? Just give right to the point where you're like, I just, oh, I just can't stand it anymore. I just don't know if I can give this much and watch what God does in your life. It's incredible. I promise. And um, I want to I wanna take you through this story in the Old Testament because it's so powerful. And especially parents will understand this so much. So Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament and he was doing uh, ministry in Israel. There was no food in the land at the time. There was a famine and there was no water. There was nothing, Okay. But God says this, Go once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, I guess how you pronounce it, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. All right? There is no food. But God says, no, 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 go to a widow there. Okay? A widow who's probably already poor, and I will supply you with food there. So he does it. He, he, he follows the Lord. He goes and finds this widow. And watch what happens next. The widow says this, As surely as the Lord lives, I do not have any bread. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die together. Think about that. But Elijah said this, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So the woman makes a meal for herself and her son and Elijah. 
And she trusted the Lord with the very last of what she had. It wasn't a tenth of what she had. It was all she had in this world. And look what God does next. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for all of her family. For the uh, jar of flour was not used up. And the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Okay, this woman gave everything to kingdom. She knew that he was from, from the Lord. And she was making her last meal that her and her son would share together so they could lay down and die together. Think about that. Think about making the last meal for your family so that you, could, you would all die together. And God says, no. Instead, use it for me and see what happens. All right? And she never ran out. She never ran out. And, and later in that chapter, there's a powerful story about the healing that happened in her family. And I, I just, it's, it's, pick that up on your reading plan. It's great. In First King. Um, she, she trusted the Lord with everything, everything that she had left. And he made more. And she never ran out. And she was prosperous. And God took care of her. And that's incredible. That's incredible. If you don't have anything that you think that you can give to the Lord, you are wrong my friend. Remember, God made you on purpose for a purpose. You have so much to offer him, and he created you to do just that. All right, our altar is open down here, and I encourage you in these next moments while the band plays to come and pray. If you don't know what you can give, or you're scared to give back a portion of what God has given you, or maybe you just need to praise Jesus because you've been giving, and you've seen what God has done in your life, and you just need to praise him and thank him, because remember, he wants to hear from you. Come to this altar, and just give him a moment of the time that he has given you. Okay? Tell him your worries. Tell him your fears. And talk to God and challenge yourself. Challenge yourself to maybe just pick one of these this week. Your time, your talent, your child. Maybe just pick one of them. Okay? And start giving back to the Lord and see what he does in your life. I promise it will rock your world. God always shows up. God always shows up. All right? Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you so, so much for this opportunity for us to be here. Thank you for the people who have chosen uh, to be here and um, who have chosen to spend this time with you. God, I'm so thankful for them, uh, and I love them, and I know you do too. God, challenge us. Challenge us to open our hearts and see what we can give to you, to the building of your kingdom. Um, God, you've given us so much in this life. God, especially in America, we're so blessed and we have so much prosperity here. Thank you for what you've given us. Allow us, challenge us to take some of that and give back to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.